Hi, Hannah. Hey, Anna. Hey, so we've been talking about our identities as writers for a while now. I think it's time to do our podcast. That's a great idea, but what should we call it? Hmm. How about how about a play on the pen is mightier than the sword? Like the pen is that, that's it. The pen is. The pen is so many things. It's scary, it's honest, it's funny, and the pen lets us explore what it means to be a work in progress. <laughs> and hey, Hana, we are a work in progress. You said it. Let's get started. Okay. I would like to ask, since your piece is not quite as long as mine, um, I want you to read your whole thing, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. Um, so this is a, a fiction piece that uh, you had requested that mixed dialogue and expository text. And so here it is. <laughs> she sat down. It was an intentional sit, slowly lowering herself to the cushioned chair prim, poised, and ready. Her heart kept beat, waltz, one, two, three, four, one. The steady rhythm calmed her. In her mind, she imagined conductor's hands, baton flying through the air, holding pace, keeping steady, leading with ease while orchestrating the conversation at hand. Firmly seated, she raised her eyes across the room to him, and there he sat, eyes aglow, waiting. For what? For the baton to drop? For the still air in the stifling room to suddenly shift, a ghost of a breeze wafting as if on cue to begin the inevitable? Her heart ached, still pounding with the dance, counting, pulsing, pushing blood in and out, up and down. He seemed so far away, even if it was only several feet, it felt like miles, miles of distance, untouchable. I'm not afraid, she stated. Only her lips moved, her eyes locked into his. He didn't move or react. And in his silence, there seemed to be a placid allowing, as if he knew exactly what she was about to say, and he agreed. He breathed in deeply, letting the breath expand his chest, his eyes not moving from hers. He spoke now, after with the last few beats of exhale, I might be. She was not surprised by this response. His body posture gave the false impression of utter calm, yet his eyes shone with such intensity, it seemed as if the emotion might burst forth in a flash of light and fear. Instinctively, she wanted to reach out and touch his cheek, as if to comfort a child. Her hand didn't move, nor did her body. The space between them had become far too great, far too expansive for such a singular journey. Seeing her inner conflict, he offered reassurance. I can hold this. I can bear it. What if I can't? She asked, eyes near to tears. Her barely held back grief had begun to leak out, tearing at the seams with the pressure of holding it in, holding it down, keeping it close. I'm scared of losing, losing this game of pretending it's all okay. I'm wavering. 
At this he smiled slightly. The smile spoke of understanding and immense love. He knew only too well that sense of slipping and of losing. It was his turn to feel the urge of bridging, the echoing distance between them. To take her in and bring her gently to his heart so she could hear the waltz beating consistently within his own chest. The same rhythm, the same song, the same desire. After several measures, he finally spoke. It came out in a heartbreaking whisper and floated towards her with fierce tenderness. Yet no words actually escaped his lips. It was the very essence of his meaning and emotion that transmitted instantly into her core, and she knew without knowing the message he needed to send. A mutual acceptance filled their void and held the space within. So how was it writing? What was your experience writing to this prompt? Um, I waited to the last minute. <laughs> Wait a minute, maybe not the last minute. I wrote it yesterday. Uh, I had been, it had been on the back of my mind all week. Uh, but it's been interesting starting this creative process with you whilst at the same time, well, almost at the same time, starting this new job. And this new job actually takes, I spend the majority of my day in that creative space because I'm writing blogs, I'm coming up with content, I'm helping people edit things, I'm coming up with ideas. And I'm not used to forcing myself to be in that creative space all the time. So coming home at night, I, I'm just, I literally am in bed by 8 or 8.30 and just crashed um, just with using my brain so much. So I was concerned because this week felt harder that I wasn't able to find that creative space to write. Um, and so yesterday... I finally had like a few hours alone. My family was gone and I had made it a priority to make sure that I did it. And yet um, I had absolutely no idea what I was gonna write about. <laughs> <laughs> usually, usually I like, I do th during the week, I like to come up with some sort of idea or like really be thinking about it, but I had li literally no brain power to put towards this. So. All I knew was that I needed to take some space and literally just sit down in front of a blank page and write. And um, I know you'll probably just ask this anyway about the more details of the writing process, but um, yesterday I was, I've been, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I've been working a lot on the idea around acceptance and what acceptance looks like and more importantly, what acceptance feels like in the body. And I've been really playing with, with allowing acceptance to take hold and overflow and feel. And um, I had been thinking about when I was younger and how much I used my wealth of emotion to create 
Um, and like we had talked about last time, how I would spend time alone, just like creating dialogue out loud, you know, writing, you know, speaking scripts out loud as a child. And I was really trying to understand what I was capturing, what I was tapping into when I was younger and, and what happened, like, how did I lose that? And really what I, I had come to understand within myself is that as a child, I allowed my world to be dictated by my emotions. I didn't judge them. I didn't tamp them down. The, the, my emotions were what drove me, were what drove me to curiosity, to create, to discover, to, to dig, to, um, to, you know, to, to escape. And as I hit adolescence and became a teenager, I completely, completely lost that, that connection and that ability for whatever reason. And as I grew up, you know, became in my mid twenties and lived on my own and started, well, not lived on my own, but, you know, was living for myself. Um, I realized that I wasn't, I wasn't going, I wasn't living life through the lens of emotion. I was living life through the lens of fear, of shoulds and woulds and can'ts. And um, I had completely blocked and cut off that, that flow, that connection to, to my emotional being and allow that to make decisions for me or at least to process in that way. And so yesterday I was feeling a lot and I'm trying to remember what it was I just I just have these days where I just I'm tapped in I'm not closed off and I'm feeling just feeling and and you know I am going through quite a bit you know, just because I am going through a divorce right now and I'll, you know blah 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 so I was trying to think about like when I play music I am more motivated to play music when I'm feeling whether it's a negative feeling or a positive feeling that's when I'm, I'm motivated to write music and or just play music. And I had never really thought about being in that space of feeling <clears throat> and writing, like not just a song, but just writing and, and tapping into that creative space. Because what I'm realizing is that when I'm in the emotional place, um, that's also where my creativity lies. And that's how I can capture moments and truly feel the moment within my body and, and either write it out or sing it out or create melody, whatever that is, um, that's tapping into that flow. And I am learning now how to play with that more. Would you say that that process, do you find it energizing or draining or how does that affect your energy level? Hmm. I think it can be both um, in the moment while I'm doing it. I am just like, I feel like I'm on fire. I am, I'm creating, I'm, I'm not even thinking it's just coming out, um, you know, from almost from another source. And when I'm done, I, I don't want to say I'm depleted because I don't think I have like lost anything in the process. I think it's the opposite that I have gained, that I've filled, that I have uh, fulfilled something that was needed to be fulfilled. And yet at the same time, I'm also, when I'm done, I'm done. Like, okay, now it's, it's you know, I don't know if, if it's too much or it's just like my capacity has reached its level 
yet I feel, you know, I feel spent. I feel, but, but like the good spent, like, okay, now I can go and take a good nap. Mm-hmm. But it's not because I need to take a nap because, um, you know, I had this really negative emotional experience with somebody and I'm just, I am drained. It's more of, ah, you know, after, you know, a good romp in bed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're ready for a great night's sleep because you just, you know, tapped into, uh, you know, that place with, you know, uh, with another person or whatever, and um, you're ready for, you know, a pleasant night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, um, I think that's really encouraging to hear. I like that you are, it sounds like that it's maybe coming to you more um, instinctively, or that some of those barriers to tapping into your emotions are you're able to lower them more easily um, with some practice. But I'm also, I just wanna say, I am very impressed that you are, were able to like spend the time and the energy to sit down and have this experience during a week that wasn't necessarily the easiest week. I mean, I, I know like starting a job is, is always a little draining. There is definitely that learning curve and to go from especially not working full-time to then working full-time. It's always a little bit of a shock to me, like how tiring 40 hours a week is. Um, And so I just, I think it's really, it really speaks to your, your passion and your ability um, to just like tap into those kind of inner reserves and and the um, strength of your emotion in helping the creative process that you were able to to um, to create this piece. I do want to say that you are definitely totally fine to call uncle if in the future it's a <laughs> for you. You know that I've done that already. So yes, thank you. <laughs> so no pressure there. But I also think it's you know it it speaks to the fact that like. Um, you know, when hearing professional writers talk about their writing, they are often very open about the fact that you don't always have like the inner muse, you know, inspire you and you're not always writing under the most ideal conditions, but you still can make yourself write. Like that is mm-hmm. something that a lot of really successful, good writers have done the best way to get better at writing is to write. And so even if they're not pleased with what they have at the end of the day, there's still something that they learn just having gone through the experience of writing that day. Yes. And I've also heard on top of that is like take breaks too. Like it's okay to spend a weekend to not even think about writing, to just take some space from it. But and at the same time, it is really important to just write. And that's often what the Artist's Way uh, book, um, and I, I, I don't remember the author's name at this moment, um, what she writes about a lot is, is the morning pages, which is you, the moment you wake up, you just write. And it's not your writing story. You're just writing the thoughts in your head. As, you know, just, just write it down and, and then don't even go back over and read it. It's just the fact that you're writing something, even though you're not even in that creative space, it's just like, just write and it's okay to take breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes to both of those things. So. <laughs> um, cool. 
cool. I I want to know, you know, so the prompt for this week for you came about after you had done a piece two times ago um, where you had said that, you know, the, the writing of the dialogue wasn't something you felt super comfortable with. Then you wrote a piece that was nothing but dialogue and really seemed to get into the flow of it, tapping into some of your experience with acting and improv. And then this was sort of bringing it back to, you know, that sphere of, yes, it's dialogue and you want it to feel comfortable and flowing, but also not just pure dialogue, putting it in with other things. So I will say, I noticed there's not a lot of actual dialogue here. <laughs> um, so do you want to speak to like how that felt, comfort, discomfort, um, what your thought process was behind that? Yeah, it was funny because like I said, I didn't know what I was going to write until the moment I sat down and started typing. And, um, you know, I was trying to figure out, is this, you know, who is this going to be between? I didn't necessarily want it to be male, female, but then that's just what it seemed to call for. Um, I mean, this, this particular scene here isn't necessarily... Uh, taken from anything specific in my life, like a specific conversation. And um, really I was, I, I knew I, I knew what my prompt was, but I also was really trying to honor what I was feeling in the moment and, and what was really driving the emotion. And I was, I was realizing, I was like, I don't even know what the first, how, how is the scene even going to start? Like who's going to speak first? What are they even going to say? I don't even know really why they're speaking yet. <laughs> I don't know what the conversation even is. Um, so I was really trying to create a scene, like, you know, just to start with like the building blocks of the scene of like, okay, there's two people who are having a heavy conversation. Um, and as I was typing it, I, you know, I was like, okay, but I need to actually put dialogue in here. This is the, you know, this, <laughs> this is the point of the prompt. And what, what ended up coming out was, yes, you were correct that the actual dialogue was very um, brief as compared to the expository text. And as I was, you know, finishing this and coming to the end, I realized um, this was taken off, you know, some more, uh, some experiences I've had where I've, I've, I've had connections with people that um, well, obviously that person and I speak together verbally, um, oftentimes our silent conversations are more poignant and speak louder than the actual outspoken verbal conversations that we have. And suddenly I realized I was playing on that, that, that idea, that notion of, um, what does it look like to have a conversation within a conversation? You know, there, there's the verbal conversation, but then there's the unspoken. And for me, um, I've had an experience with a person that the unspoken conversation was uh, way more rich and deep and profound than, than the physical side of our conversation. And, and I realized at the end of this piece, when I wrote it, I was, I was trying to capture that, that feeling of, of being in a conversation with somebody where more was happening underlying 
then it, if somebody were to be witnessing this conversation physically, all they would hear was these words. But if they were to tap into the emotion in the room and the connection between these two people, they would realize that a lot more was happening under the surface that they could only perceive. Mm -hmm. And in the end, this is what came out <laughs> was this deep, deep, deep conversation between these two people of uh, these people who clearly are deeply in love with one another and are having some sort of issue that I didn't really detail out because I didn't really know. I, I kept it intentionally vague uh, of what it was they were even talking about. But in the end, I don't think it mattered because it was more about this, this deep wanting and desire to be connected with, with these people's connection. Mm -hmm. Did you start writing it at the top or where did you start with the story? Um, yeah, I mean, it literally was just, it literally was just setting, like I started the story by setting the scene mm -hmm. and trying to tap into, you know, I sat, I started with the woman and I felt like I was able to, I, I, I think the woman's perspective came out more than the man's, you know, if, if I had, maybe made this longer maybe the male perspective could have come out more um but i think i needed to start from a place of where i was as a woman feeling deeply in that moment of like what what does this look like so that i can go deeper into what does this feel like mm -hmm. do you feel like you kind of explored it as much as you like? Are you interested in where you could take this story? How do you feel about it now that it's, now that you've written the, the piece? Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a standalone, like experimental piece, yet perhaps the process of it and, and also the, that, that idea of a conversation within a conversation can be reused Mm -hmm. into something else, into a, maybe a larger story or something like that, that like, while this piece stands alone with just this, the brevity of it, that the process of, of what I wrote, it, it, I, I learned something that I can reuse. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what did you find challenging or surprising or enjoyable about the experience of writing this piece? I think once again, the, the ex exposition was easier and that, that part I was able to come out can with. I, and Can I ask, mm -hmm. um, yes. easier than previous um, exposition or easier than you were expecting with this particular piece? Oh, in this particular piece, the exposition was coming out easier than the dialogue was. Okay. Um, and not to say the dialogue was like exceptionally challenging. It was just... Um, setting the stage, I, I felt a lot of emotion while setting the stage of this piece. And while I paused more with the dialogue, I do feel like what I actually wrote in terms of the dialogue was enough. Like, I wanted it to be very brief 
speakings between the two people because the emotion that was being felt between them was so great that it was difficult to actually bring word, you know, bring, actually put words to what they were feeling and how to even discuss this openly out loud because, because so much more was happening internally. Um, and, and to be honest, I probably wrote this in 20 minutes. Um, and actually, the funny thing is that I was writing this while I was experiencing sort of one of my attention migraines and it was coming on strong while writing this. And I actually had to stop at the last paragraph and I couldn't go on because I felt so nauseous. Um, so I actually had to like get into bed and like close my eyes and kind of like nap for a while and kind of like allow this, my headache and stuff to kind of like subside. And then an hour later I got back up and it was still like unresolved in my body. And I, I obviously I needed to resolve it for, for our conversation, but also the piece was asking to have resolution. And so I sat back down and kind of re read it over again, got back into that space. I was able to get back into that flow and tap back into what I was feeling and then capture it and then finish it. And this is, and that's how I ended up finishing. It was like, there was real no resolution within the conversation either. They, both of these people were still feeling whatever it was they're feeling about some conflict between the two of them that they couldn't come to their own resolution to yet in the end, the resolution that they were able to come to was acceptance of the unknown. Do you feel like, did you have a sense that taking that very necessary break for your, your own health, did it change the way that the story ended up developing? I don't know if it changed it, but it was, you know, I came to a point while I was writing it with the headache that I literally just couldn't do it anymore. I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, um, tap into how this was to end because I felt so shitty. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, and, and I think I often do, and I, maybe I haven't expressed this before, but like in the longer piece I sent to you that the fictional story that I wrote a few weeks ago, um, that one I had actually come back to quite a bit because I was struggling with, with certain pieces of it that wasn't fitting right, that wasn't quite clicking, that wasn't you know, having that tension release. And I often do be, feel that I need a break. Mm -hmm. um, I need even a day or two days to kind of be re-inspired or have something come to me and be like, oh my gosh, that fits perfectly. And even though in this particular moment, I only had an hour where I was like, you know, semi-sleeping semi with, you know, being in pain, um, just having that break and allowing myself to kind of recenter and and sleep a bit gave me gave me that opportunity to come back to it to the resolution that I probably would have come to matter no matter what but in the moment of being in pain I couldn't tap into it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay um do you feel like you so you know it sounds like normally you like to have a little bit more time obviously there were a lot of factors contributing to um, 
to not writing it in the way that you've written in response to our other prompts. I really enjoyed reading this story. Are you, um, do you feel satisfied given that you were kind of operating under like less than optimal conditions while writing it? Do you feel satisfied with the writing process and the result that you ended up with? Yeah, no, I, um, I think maybe I've been wanting to write this for a long time, just, but not knowing I needed to write this particular, um, theme or idea of, of the experiences I've had in the past of, of being in that kind of situation with a person and the fact that I was able to capture it and really, I mean, like, I felt like I, I truly captured it because I was in that state of feeling that this piece on its own, just standing alone feels very cathartic and like, yes, like I feel this like resounding. Yes. Like I captured this moment, even though this particular moment didn't happen in my life, but I was able to capture really the essence of, of being in that position with a person of, of deep feeling. And um, yeah, I feel really, really happy with it. I almost wonder if not having kind of the normal like space and capacity and all of that, um, do you, like, could it have forced you to kind of come to this realization and write something really cathartic because you weren't able to kind of take your time and do it in as comfortable a way? Yeah, I mean, I believe I, I can uh, produce under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I often, not, not like having that pressure then yeah. didn't allow you to observe the niceties. So it made you kind of confront some stuff maybe that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I think you know, having the, the deadline for this piece and also at the same time um, feeling all this emotion, it was like, hey, I can combine the two, <laughs> you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone. Um, and it, yeah, and it, it forced me to actually be like, you you want to do this and you need to do this. And, um, wow, I'm actually having an experience in this moment too. And this is, and, and, and this is what I'm tapping into. And so it was like a perfect blend of need and desire and, um, process to, to, to come up with what, what I ended up writing. And I think I often do need that kick. (laughs) Don't we all? It's to just, you know, be like, you know, buck up, <laughs> get this done, face it, you know. Um, and I think often in, in life, and especially with my experience with my spiritual work and my spiritual practice and my spiritual connection and my spiritual relationship, um, is that when I am in need of a lesson or to heed a message um, that, you know, the universe has provided or however you want to call that, that oftentimes if I am denying or ignoring or, you know, shutting my ears or going blah, 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 um, that message will, will come back. It won't go away until I've actually learned that lesson of whatever that message is. And oftentimes if I continue to deny it or ignore what it is that I know I need to embody and learn and process and move through that the message will come back tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold. 
in different ways and oftentimes in, in painful ways, <laughs> like twisting my ankle because I wasn't listening to myself or whatever it is. And so having an extra external kick to, to write something on top of me needing to process through something actually like was a perfect blend to, to create something really, really profound for me. That's wonderful. It kind of makes me think about um, with some of the recent um, like therapeutic studies I've been doing, you know, just kind of picking up new skills as a social worker. One of the commonalities is that um, a lot of effective, maybe newer um, types of therapy, there is the assumption that the client knows what's best for them, that we all have kind of innate wisdom. And so it's really about creating the conditions to allow the person for their inner wisdom to come out um, and supporting them in that belief, even when they don't believe it themselves. Um, so it sounds like, you know, you, um, that the therapeutic or cathartic nature of this piece for you was maybe a moment of that innate wisdom making itself known, even under, or maybe because in part, because of uh, less than ideal conditions. Yeah, I 100% I agree with what you're saying about oftentimes working with people in that in therapeutic setting or in any kind of healing setting is that, um, you're acting more as a guide and, and I've, I've received a lot of um, ex personal experience with being a clinical herbalist and taking clients of, of being the receiver of therapy of working with, I, I spent three years being mentored by a native elder in, in his healing practices and, and working with people and spirit. And basically every one of those experiences taught me that as a person, if you're stepping into a role of, of therapy or healing or clinic work or whatever that is, that um, you as the person aren't healing that person. You know, you're not fixing their problems for them. You are instead uh, removing yourself, removing your ego, removing even your your judge, you know, removing your judgments, removing your opinions, and instead you're listening and you're allowing and you are uh, giving guidance and, and not even like purposeful guidance, but pulling out from that person what it is that they already know, because we are all self healers. You know, we, we, yes, there are times when we need to go to a doctor to be like, Hey, I have a, um, a gangrious wound that I need antibiotics for. And the doctor's like, yes, that's what you have. I'm giving you these antibiotics and you're now healed. Right. I mean, there's, there's a very physical form of healing of that, but when we're talking more about um, emotions and mental processes, and even, even if it's physical ailments, but it's chronic, what I found is that a lot, I mean, oftentimes those are because of some emotional block or some mental block or some trauma or something else that's happened in that person's life that has, and it comes out in a physical form. So, you know, as a tracker, as some, you know, as a person who I, I've mentored kids for years, what, what, what we've been taught to do is, is, is like the idea of the art of questioning, you know, how are we allowing that person to come to their own conclusion through their own curiosity, through their own motivation, through their own 
inner wisdom of knowing how how to, to self-heal. And um, and I just want to say that I, I, I'm glad you said that because this is this is the experience that I have learned within myself of the more you push somebody to you know, thinking that you are healing them, you're actually causing more harm than good because the real lesson there is is giving that person space to learn it themselves. Um, and what I love too then about writing yeah. is that um, it provides that space and like, it's just, it's just a blank page. There's no, you know, the page that you're writing on doesn't have a diploma. It doesn't have an ego. It's not, it doesn't have, you know, an actual physical voice to speak with. It can't interrupt you or, or condescend to you or anything. <laughs> so it really is in some ways, the ultimate canvas for you to be your own, you know, your own healer, your own therapist, as you're writing these words down and then reading your own work, reflecting on it and writing further. Yeah. And hence, hence the idea behind journaling as therapy. Mm -hmm. It's, it is, it's such profound work. Uh, Another aspect of that, that's not necessarily writing, but it's, it's more of a verbal practices uh, one of my teachers told me about this idea of tree preaching and really all it is is you don't even have to do it to a tree it's just you 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 use an object or you know a living creature or whatever it is like a tree or a rock or a lake or a river or just the air around you and you speak out loud you, you, you know a, a conversation within yourself and you're like I'm struggling with this so you just speak it and I think journaling and writing is, is often another form of that very thing of, of what he, this, this teacher had called tree preaching. And, and it helps you to process verbally through something that you're struggling with. And oftentimes that's what you, why you use, use people. Like, can I use you as a sounding board? Mm-hmm. Really, and really all that person is just holding that space for you to speak out loud your process. And, and they don't even have to say anything. It's a, there's also a form called withholding where you say, I haven't, I'm having a conflict with you. I need to sit, will you you consent to me sitting down with you so I can speak my, my conflict and my challenge with you. And that other person never responds. They just say, thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then I'm going to kind of do a complete about face. Yes. Suggest, uh, you know, I mentioned I have these ideas for writing prompts. Yes. And I kind of, for me at least, I want to do something that's very much not um, personal. (laughs) Not because I am like finding it uncomfortable. It's actually been pretty enjoyable, but I also Mm -hmm. kind of want to continue to play with the various forms that writing can take um, and especially the change of seasons. So I know you've been obviously going through quite a lot of upheaval there in Oregon with the wildfires and everything. Um, so I don't know if this is the case for you, but here it's very much begun to feel like fall. Mm-hmm. And when I was walking Ivy earlier here, I'm going to send you a photo mm. of this super creepy thing <laughs> we've been encountering uh, with Ivy when we go on our daily walks to the nearby field. And it got me thinking, um, So fall for me is always going to be linked to kind of like Halloween and eerie, spooky, unexplained phenomena, 
Um, I love the feeling of, of that kind of creepiness and like gothic stuff. And nice. so I think it would be really fun to write um, like a horror story, basically. Mm. So I will send you right now this photo. Um, so I'm going to describe it for our potential listeners. Um, someone, there's like a leafy green passageway that we always walked around our way to the field. It's got trees on either side um, and obviously leaves on the ground. And I noticed the other day that someone had left this, or maybe it crawled there itself, this really uh, sinister looking monkey made out of like gray <laughs> straw with two button eyes. And it's just been, and it's facing whoever walks down the, this little um, alley. It looks at you as you're walking by. And I like sensed it almost like looking at me the first time. And so, um, and then I swear when I went and looked for it the second time, it was not in the same place I remember. <laughs> so I finally took a photo of it today and I don't know if you've gotten it yet, but. I have, I'm, I'm looking at it as you speak and it is, uh, it is creepy. It's, it's creepy, right? So yeah, it inspired me that, you know, with Halloween coming up, so I don't necessarily have to do it for our next prompt um, because I, you know, I can always do something else, but um, I thought it would be fun at some point to do, yeah, like a horror story or a gothic, you know, something kind of creepy in in the season. Uh, Yes. And I feel like if, if this is something that you're excited about and motivated by now, I'm, I would encourage you to, to write it for your next piece if you feel like okay. that feels good to you. Okay, yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I like your idea of exploring a new genre. So I'm trying to, I, I, I'm open to you giving me a genre or I am also open to like figuring out one on my own. Um, and, or I like also like the idea of the, like the writing prompt of like, finding an object and then creating a story around that object too. So the other prompts that I was saying about for myself, but I don't know if you, I mean, you're happy or I'm happy to have you take this um, for yourself as well, or we can kind of keep it, you know, um, on the table for future episodes is like just very unvarnished description, physical description of things. So Mm. about like um, a photograph and what's in the photograph or a room and just like going around and describing in very clear detail, but very like concrete, no subtext, no interpretations, just what you are seeing. I feel like that would also be very helpful um, at just kind of developing and getting comfortable with that aspect of writing. No, I like that too. Um, and I mean, I'm happy to do uh, either of those ideas. Or we could do like dueling, not dueling, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could do complimentary horror stories. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, yeah, next time we could move on to um, just, yeah, being just very explicitly description description of how things look where they are in relation to other things yeah that i feel like would be helpful yeah so this time we're going to do the horror the complimentary horror horror stories yes great it kind of reminds me a bit of neil gaiman Mm -hmm. um like his story about Coraline. Uh uh-huh yes 
I'd be curious. I, I'd be curious to read in, or listen to interviews with him about how his writing process has come. Like, does he does he find an object or like what? Yeah, how he does things. Mm-hmm. Next week, Hannah takes her first stab at writing a story that scares its readers with the dangers lurking under the surface. This podcast has been another episode of The Pen Is, with your hosts Anna Bradley and Hannah Binder, and technical support provided by Julia Einersen. Thanks, as always, for spending some time with us as we learn about ourselves as writers and humans. You can find new episodes weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We love hearing from others about their own experiences with writing. Please feel free to email us at annahannapodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, keep that pen busy.